Well, this week, uh, well, we're catching up a little bit. I, I think the, uh, Amazon reinvent was was uh, was that last week, Ed, or the week last before? Week, yes, they reinvented the world again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I think there's a couple of things that would be fun to highlight there. There's all sorts of stuff that came out, and uh, there's, uh, you know, I wasn't on my own my other podcast last week on Software Defined Talk, but they they covered things. It's it's back there somewhere. That's why I'm pointing. Uh, and so and there's some other good roundups. I don't know. I don't know if y'all listened to the uh, the Cloudcast. Brian Gracely over there. He did some roundups. But I think there's two things you've picked out in particular, Ed, that are that are fun uh, to look over. And uh, we'll just talk about things in general. And then hopefully we'll get to uh, the exciting adventures with the AI chatbot thing. Uh, terribly called open, wait, chat GPT. I don't, I don't know why they didn't come up with a better name, but that, that'll be fun. And we'll see what, what else. But first, now, now, Ben, you've been diving into backstage quite a bit. I watched one of your, uh, your, your recent videos. It's basically a tour of how the Tanzu application platform uses backstage. Uh, as as I recall, and I think I think you gave a, a, a great demo of what we call accelerators, but I'm I'm starting to think the rest of the world calls templates, uh, which is basically just like here's here's the default setup for your 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 project directories, uh, and here's kind of like a default configuration that you have things like that, and I really liked the uh, the demo of here here's the part I want you to talk a little bit about. We've got this thing called a supply chain in there. Which, which you could also just call uh, your build pipeline, but that's cool. But I think what makes it a supply chain is that it has a lot of the stuff that's kind of interesting. It has a lot of the uh, tracking and governance and audit stuff in there. And that's the part that I think is like, so what, like if I were to imagine myself not as a programmer, but maybe as a, uh, I know maybe we don't use this phrase around Tanzu Labs people, but a project manager, or, you know, someone who's kind of like checking in on stuff or a governance person, like, like what, what are the things I have available for me in the supply chain so I can kind of come in and see what's going on to check in on stuff? Uh, well, I think uh, probably a headline headline act, uh, I reckon, for the supply chain is this uh, th this idea of an S-bomb or a, a, mm. a, a bill of materials, a software bill of materials, uh, which is a, a really uh, cool thing. It allows you to take a piece of source code or a, or an image you know it depends on how you want to generate your s bombs um but you can you can basically once you've checked those out against some sort of vulnerability scanner of some kind and there are uh, many different uh, ones of those available on the market of course then it will uh, basically create a file that that contains all the dependencies inside that particular piece of code and all the um vulnerabilities that were um, have been checked for as well so you can mm. use that in auditing and in in sort of establishing your security posture at any point in time you know you want to do an audit one day just go do your audit get all your s-bombs together go and figure out what you've got but in the uh, tanzo application platform and in the um in the supply chain we we create those s-bombs and we store them away in a metadata store and then we expose those through a security analysis dashboard so across all the workloads that you're running on your Kubernetes platform, you can see, okay, for this workload, has these vulnerabilities, we know about them, they're safe, has these ones that are switched off, the false positives, has these ones that are on and that we should be worried about. So you can see instantly, you know, what's going on across all of the workloads that you've got on that particular platform. So it's great. And and I get, I get does it, will it like update like what's, 
in production or is it just what was put into production? Does that distinction make sense? Like, can you have it like auto-generate like what's currently running? Yeah, so because it's based on dependencies, if you run a piece of code through the supply chain and it uh -huh. spots a dependency, let's say it's log4j, right? Because there was a big one of those a couple of years ago, an issue with log4j. So let's just Everyone's favorite. Say, let's just say it was log4j. And it notices that that's a dependency in that particular piece of code and that there's a new vulnerability against that dependency. Because the SBOM tracks every piece of code that also shares the same dependency, it can then mark all the other items that also contain the same dependency mm. as being potentially vulnerable so that you can do something about it. So you don't just get information about the one workload. As things change and get updated, you get more information about the rest of them as well. So it's it's really good. And there's, there's still tons that we'll be doing with that as well. You know, it's um, it's something that we're adding to all the time. So I'm really looking forward to the future as well. I think there's a ton of really powerful things we'll be able to do in the future with that. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens there. Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, there's a lot of effort going on to do that. The, the, the first part of it, like, like uh, templating, if you will, like here's the defaults of things, but then also just... I, I don't know, putting putting a pipeline into your web browser? <laughs> that's that's a silly way of putting it, but like giving giving you like a GUI that makes it a lot easier to kind of like and of course the command line stuff is always there, but just kind of like taking care of a lot of that build stuff. Like in, in the demo you were doing, like, you know, it was nice it, it, it looks simple, but you could just log in and be like, All right, you know, go to the next stage of this build and then it would do that. Which which was uh, which was kind of fun. Like I think I was I was talking with a friend of mine in town last week, and oh yeah, I remember how he got into this. Like somehow he got into being a PCI compliance person. Which like uh, whenever someone tells you know, that being a uh, uh, like a U.S. retail regulation, if you want to accept credit card payments, that you have to uh, you have to use. And uh, you know, as one would ask, I was like, how did that happen? And of course, it was kind of accidental. But, you know, I think maybe in lots of regulations and including like PCI stuff, there's something like if you wrote the code, you can't deploy the code, which I guess makes sense. But like, you know, you got all sorts of fun options like that if you just uh, if you click on things. But it was it was an opportune demo because going to uh, a lot of the announcements that Amazon reInvent, I think they they also have, you know, you can see this idea of templates scurrying about in, in AWS stuff. They have they have like uh, they announced this code catalyst thing, which is kind of like, uh, you know, like my I, of course, I haven't used it because I only make slides. But it, it seemed like another go at like if you want to if you want to get like started easily on some applications running in a cloud thing, here you go. Uh, it'll do things for you. Now, I don't think that one supports Kubernetes, which is fine. They have many other options. And, uh, you know, there's even there's other op other things out there, like you were just pointing out, there's a, something called scaffolding or scaffold, I think that's part of uh, backstage and other stuff. And man, there's lots of that templating going on. And of course, our own favorite spring boot has had that for a long time. But but since you actually read this stuff, Ed, or at least you type about it, I assume I you, you've it read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's 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 your take on like? And the other thing that was interesting in this area, you know, this kind of templating area, is the the app composer, which is like, it's like, I, I think we needed this new category. It's not high code and not low code. It's like mid code uh, for for like helping doing uh, serverless stuff or something. But but what, what what caught your eye about those two things? Well, I, 
I said they, they were interesting services. They're gap fillers, aren't they, for Amazon, right? They've already got mm. a million services. They're, you know, renowned for having whatever it is, 17, 18 ways of running containers. Add another one in, probably now with Code Catalyst. Um, and they all seem, you know, my takeaway after I watched everything around and, and read a bit about it, I do a bit of reading, but not a lot, um, was just like yours, actually, templates on steroids. I was like, well, I, I get this is a different area of templating, right? You've always been able to spin up, whether it's an EKS cluster, choose whether you're using things like Fargate, how much of the, the technical bits do you care about? Um, mm. Do you want to go for EC2 and do it yourself? Do you want EKS? Do you want Fargate? Do you want serverless completely? Just forget whatever bits you want to forget. And then Code Catalyst is another pick your level of abstraction almost. You know, you're a developer. You actually don't really want to even bother about separating out your project management, your code. That, right, just spin it all up in Code Catalyst. And it will instantiate all your AWS services. It will spin up an environment. It will handle your sort of issue tracking all in one place. I mean, you could probably do that with a bunch of disparate AWS services already. Um, but this is another way of saying, you know what, if you don't care about pieces A, B, and C, I'll do those for you. And then you worry about some other pieces. Um, the old, the old fully integrated stack. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, AWS is a building kit, and you just pick how much of it you want to build and how much you don't. And, you know, again, I've said there's been a lot of focus from a lot of people on this getting started. But I think everyone's realized in AWS, probably the worst, they've almost provided too many tools. And it's like, we can do all this stuff. There you go. Pick from one of these 50. And everyone's like, I, I don't know which one to use and which one, how to use part three with part four. Mm. Okay, pick part one. That'll do one, two, and three for you. Which others do you want to add to it? <laughs> and it, it's just another of those, right? We've got so many services. It's a bit overwhelming. Let's wrap a bunch of them up for you and present it a little more simply. Um, and that for me was Code Catalyst. So I think all those individual pieces are there already, but not as nicely bundled, not as well integrated, not as therefore appealing. Someone who says, just give me a, an easy button for a load of this stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's similar to some of what Tap does. It comes from a different angle, doesn't it? So I wouldn't say it's trying to solve a different problem. It's still making it easier for developers to get code into production. But it so at, at, as, as, you're, as you're looking at these templates and accelerators, Ben, like, it seems. This tell me that, like, like now that we're thinking about it, it feels to me like eventually there's just going to be like some sort of open standard, <laughs> right? Or like you know, just a few of them that are because, and then by the time we have one, someone will come up with something new, and then the, the open standard will be the older thing that everyone's using, and then you're trying to move to the new thing. But nonetheless, like, yeah, like how how many different ways could could there possibly be to like set up your project structure? and generate your, to use an older word, your stubs uh, that, that you would use. So uh, I, I, I started to scratch beneath the surface a little bit on the Code Catalyst stuff. And as I, as I went down, I did find an open standard as it happens. There's, uh, there's something underneath the dev environment setup called um, uh, DevTools, I think they've called it, which is, uh, it looks kind of like a, a manifest for a developer environment. You know, so mm. I'm, I'm expecting to use this language. I'm expecting to use this idea. I'm expecting to use these services. I'm expecting to have these containers, that sort of stuff, where you can kind of define what goes into a developer environment. And that's, that, on the face of it, sounds like a, a, a good idea. You know, and, and there's been quite a few tools this year that have sort of tried to edge into this, oh, we'll create your IDE for you, but it will be in the cloud. I know Google did a similar thing at their Google Next, didn't they? They had a mm. similar service to this where you could go yeah, and specify yeah, how, how, you know, what sort of developer environment you wanted, what sort of compute should be behind that, and then, um, you know, that would appear for you. 
I'm really interested to find out what happens with traction on these and how far they, uh, you know, how, how much traction they get with them, because that's always been a bit of a sticking point. I think developers kind of like the, the local control that they often have over their own environment and being able to curate um, what that environment behaves like and feels like is, is something that they're quite passionate about. You know, they like personalization, essentially. So, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. But it, but then we were talking, weren't we, about accelerators and templates and that sort of stuff. I think about that as different. I think about that as project source code. You know, where do I get the source code from? Because in an enterprise, there are always private libraries, you know, that are unique to that enterprise that you need to use in order to get your stuff done. And the larger the enterprise is, the more of those they are and the more difficult they are to bring together into a project. You quite often have to go searching for different items and different bits and bring them all together. So the the templating in, in things like the accelerators is about making those patterns and conventions and practices part of the code generation step at the beginning of a project so um in, which you then take to your ide which traditionally is running on your laptop or on your on your desktop so um they're, they're sort of slightly different to me i think about them maybe as slightly separate concerns mm. yeah you know you bring up something uh, uh i i have i have in my my uh ever-growing list of homework assignments for myself i think there was there was there was you remember you remember inner sourcing as a concept there was like an inner sourcing conference a little while ago uh, that uh, has some new sessions. And I've been thinking like all this like developer portal and, and kind of talk as, as you were just going over, like this idea of like inside an organization having a whole like world of code or whatever. I've lost track of a sentence there. But like that's that's what that whole inner sourcing thing was about back in the late 2000s. So maybe it's worth revisiting that as a uh, as an idea. But I interrupted you, Ed, what were you saying? Well, Ed, hearing you talk about that bit as well, a lot of this for me is it's getting that right level of um, opinionation, should we say. So I, I totally agree, developers love their laptops. And I used to, I used to like installing software, getting my hands on the bits, and because I didn't have to worry about someone else at that point. And that was just me with my laptop, I can largely do what I want to do. That's always going to be right for me. And then there's that mix of saying, but whether it's your company, or in this case, whether it's cloud provider, someone prescribes what's right for you, even if it's correct, right? A company says, here are our guardrails, here's the things we need for compliance, therefore you do these. There's a bit of you things, can I skip some of that and just do it through a laptop or whatever? <laughs> so I think that's why people always love laptop, because you, you pick and choose exactly what you want without someone saying, yeah, it'd be lovely if, but you can't because, because. So whether it's TAP, whether it's going to be Code Catalyst, some of the how well they work and how well they're adopted are how much do you constrain people? Do you actually, if, if they make it quicker and easier for a dev, they'll do it right. Mm. I think the same is true of the cloud IDEs. If they give you exactly what you've got on your laptop, but it's quick and easy, reproducible, people will go with it. It just hasn't yeah. done that. And, and if you work for Twitter and you have to print out your code, you might not have access to a printer in the cloud. <laughs> so, you know, you got to think about these things, right? <laughs> exactly. It, it needs a good export to PDF or docx mm. file uh, option. That, that that would be great. That, you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of feature that if you focus on it too much, you'd end up with like like setting the fonts that you use and the uh, the you know justification like alignment. 
you'd really go yeah. down a, a rabbit hole. Tweaking well, stuff that you don't need to do. What, was there anything else from the uh, the giant reinvent that uh, popped out at you two that, that seemed interesting? I mean, there was there was tons of things, as I mentioned earlier, but like, uh, you know, it's always fun just to choose a couple of them. Yeah, I genuinely no go ahead. I would say tons of things, but it went over my head more than in previous years. I think they, they're again moving up the stack. Right? So mm. as an infrastructure sort of grounded person, there was always new instances, this, that, the other. And this year it was a lot more industry related things you know even the keynotes were organized more into topics and sessions um and therefore there was more of it i listened and glazed over because i know it runs forever and there's always that oh, what's going to be next it's going to be some big headline thing yeah, yeah not so much um which is just maturity i suppose they've been around for so long we kind of know what to expect so no massive takeaways ben, yeah i interrupted yeah, no, I'm, I missed. I, I missed most of it, to be honest. I was preparing for other talks and and things, so I didn't. I, I did want to see a little bit more of it, but I, I didn't get to. But, but Ed, was there anything? You know, the present climate, uh, you know, worldwide that is, uh, you know, difficult, challenging for a lot of a lot of businesses. Was there, was there any visible signs of any sort of slowdown in the cloud cloud space, or any consolidations, or any? Anything that would give you an indication that there's, you know, economic headwinds? No, well, they, they talked about that a little bit. Um, and actually, Bernard Golden wrote a good piece, which I, I, I did include in my newsletter for those who get that one, um, which was essentially saying, no, for the cloud providers, they will knuckle down a bit, right? And they will uh, no doubt see customers saying, we need to contain costs, this, that, the other. But they are all pointing out that they're continuing to build and they will stop building when the demand goes. Um, and actually, all the cloud builders are still investing heavily. So, you know, this article by Bern Golden, it's not the MO1, it's out on the, the interwebs. I can't remember what the title is. I'm sure if you search for it, you'll find it. But it was still essentially saying growth for the cloud providers is still going to be good. And they're still building out cloud regions at billions of dollars in revenue and investing in various countries. I think business will carry on. Their, their numbers will dip a little, right? Just from seasonal, should we say. But um, I think it's business as usual for them. Well, I, I don't know if you two have encountered this, but I think in the past month, uh, I, I've encountered uh, almost completely contradictory like stories about about all of your macroeconomic secular headwinds and tailwinds and everything. Uh, you know, one there'll be a story about all these tech people being laid off, and then there's another story about how uh, you know survey shows uh, large companies still can't hire enough tech people. And then, and then, like, what's happening with spending? And then I saw another thing that was like, you know, CIOs plan to keep spending lots of money on their IT stuff. So, so we'll have to see. But I think maybe, you know, uh, those articles, we should write a third round of them using this, this brand new chat GPT thing. Because You're I think obsessed I, with this thing, aren't you? You've been, you've been hitting this all week. I, I think I think I just I well, I only started yesterday. In, in my defense, was it only yesterday, maybe at the tail end of Monday. So but it's only Wednesday as we record. But, you know, I think like all of us, I generate a lot of text and I also consume a lot of text about the secular uh, economic headwinds that are pushing your tailwinds uh, and things like that in the macro environment uh, with currency conversions. And uh, like, I, I think a lot of that text could be written pretty effectively by this this thing. Now, to give you uh, an idea of it, you know, it's the same thing that one that was making all those funny pictures over the summer. But you log into it and it's a chat interface. And as I here, here it was, I'm not going to read it. I was thinking we could do a whole episode just generated by this thing, but that would be a little too much. But for example, 
uh, one of the things I did yesterday is I asked it to write like an email uh, to send to my boss about why OKRs are bad and we shouldn't do them. And, and I gave it a few little hints here and there, like some of the points I wanted to make. And then I said it should be about six paragraphs. And it wrote a pretty good, like I gave it the only two, you can, since it's a chat, you can ask it to like uh, do things differently. So the only tuning that I did was to ask it to be more casual and also add in a part, you know, just a PS at the end that we still needed to approve budget for the hot dog party that's coming up soon. And we're cutting costs by having people bring their own condiments. Uh, but I did that and it was a pretty persuasive uh, memo. I feel like I could have maybe sent that to, to someone to argue against OKRs. Now, the fun thing to do when you do that is to say like, that was great, now argue the other side. And it'll perfectly put out another argument about why OKRs are good. And um, I don't know, have, have y'all had a chance to, uh, it's, it's totally free to use. Have y'all had a chance to uh, generate some text, ask some questions? Well, uh, go ahead. I, I haven't yet. I will try it, but I haven't yet. And that's because of Dali and, you know, those sort of uh, picture generating tools. I see the pictures that other people generate based on, like, you know, a sentence. And uh -huh. then I give it a sentence and the stuff that comes out is absolute garbage. <laughs> so, so you're like, what? Well, how am I doing this wrong? I don't get it. You know, you get these beautiful, I don't know, uh, cloud punk style images or whatever with super fine detail at 4k resolution and i put it in there and it looks like a toddler's painting with water paints you know it's yeah like complete rubbish so yeah so I haven't tried space yet. To put in. draw me a banana in a toddler style <laughs> or whatever you know <laughs> I, I i tried using that over the summer and i wanted a picture of of waylon jennings and nietzsche reading a news article and Nietzsche was the the barista and it didn't quite understand what I was going for but the picture was interesting like you know I wanted I wanted him serving up some uh, some coffee or something but at least Waylon Jennings had a cowboy hat and like a cigar a cigarette so it, you know it, it was pretty good but you know I think the tech stuff is a little better I mean I don't I'm sure there's some sort of like a how humans work stuff behind this but like for some reason like a picture has to be better than text Maybe like, cause when you're reading text, you can kind of like fill in the details, but a picture like has to be super abstract. Like I was just thinking, what is the deal with all the kids cartoons nowadays? Like all the characters look the same with like giant heads and their midsections are also giant and bulbous. Like there's this distinct style that's just like very displeasing. Uh, but with text, you know, it doesn't actually have to be that great or even accurate as the stuff generated by this, this shows like let, now, now on the other hand, let me, let me read y'all another thing. I asked it this, this is very short. So I'll, I'll read it to you. I ask it, write a haiku that speculates that ranch dressing existed before the big bang. And it, and it said ranch dressing divine before the big bang comma, it was eternal condiment. And, uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. <laughs> It is surprisingly oh, effective. I mean, I had to play around and it, the stuff I asked it, it generally sort of answered. There's a mixture of it, the stock answer. I am an AI, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know about specific frameworks or companies or whatever it might be. Yet sometimes it does. You know, whoever it was, SpectroCloud did a blog post where they asked it a load of Kubernetes questions. Well, for me, that's a specific technology or frame. But it came up with very good answers for that. Um, exactly. That was a good find. Others, it, it just said, no, don't know anything about that whatsoever. Um, 
So it's still quite hit and miss, but it is persuasive when you get to a decent conversation, a bit of back and forth, which is obviously what it's designed for. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. That's what I that's what I haven't experimented with the most is like actually. I, I think now that you pointed out that interview, I think that's something I want to try next, right? Because there's there's three things I tried with it. You can tell I'm excited about it because I just keep talking about it. But like one. I asked it to tell me what my wife wants for Christmas. And it truthfully said, oh, I don't have access to, uh, you know, private information, but you could try asking her, which is just like, whoa, <laughs> hold on, common sense person. <laughs> it's a very good consultant. It depends is very often its answer. Totally, <laughs> totally. And, the other. Well, there's various things you might want to consider. And, you're like, yeah, and, and that, that showed up in that interview about Kubernetes where the guy even asked it. Like, you always say that. And, and there was a very good defense of it. It was like, well, yeah. there are many different uh, situations and options. And then, and then the, the, the next thing I, I think I want to experiment with it is like, I don't, I, I think this would be fine. I wrote about this in my little newsletter this week is like, you know, my, my son is 12 and my daughter is nine and, and they are having to write more and more in school. And I feel like you could ask this, they could talk with this thing to like help them learn about writing. Now, the danger is that they just plagiarize it, which that's unethical, but it's more a danger of like, if you just copy and paste stuff, you don't actually learn how to do it. But there's got to be some like way you could just have it kind of teach you the basics of, of it, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what y'all had in, um, I always get what a private school versus a public school is in the UK mixed up, but like during your, your schooling, like, but you know, in, in, in US schools, you learn the five paragraph essay. You spend like three years doing this and like, it just like, I can't imagine that teachers are like, oh goody, time to teach the five paragraph essay, right? Whereas like, you, you could probably go to, go to this thing and say like, write me a five paragraph essay about dinosaurs. And like, you could have you could have each student generate that. And then in the same way that you might diagram a sentence, you could kind of like diagram the essay and you're kind of like reverse engineering what a five paragraph essay is. And that seems like it would be a fun pedagogical thing uh, to do. So mm. we'll see if that works. Well, I like the fact that you can tell chat GPT to write in the style of someone mm. else, can't you? So I could say, write me a letter in the style of Michael Cote, and I would get Coteisms uh, throughout, right? That would that would be it. You know, it says its corpus uh, only goes back to 2021, but thankfully, yeah. that's still 20 years of me writing stuff online. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, right? I think we should all be very worried because if you think about it, we've seen already Deepfakes, Dali, um, James Earl Jones' voice mm. in Star Wars is now going to be an AI. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Plus something that will write scripts. So between those things, like there's not much left for us to do, is there? You could, you could, you could totally. either be the victim of a deep fake yourself, where they say, you know, here's Michael's face, and then here's how he talks, and then here's how he, you know, uh, writes, and then. Make it look like Michael said something. It's, it's exactly. terrifying, right? Now, now that's the third thing that I'm I'm thinking about and experimenting with using it is like, how does this, how far does this go into the writing process for for writing stuff? Now, now you know, I I have I've been in many roles in my career where you basically just need to like write some stuff, and and like you know, for better or worse, and so like. Uh, 
like this time of year, uh, people always wanted me to write prediction pieces, right? And I actually went in and asked it to write me five predictions for 2023. I, I, I forgot about this. I need to go back and look at it. And, then, you know, I suggested that it use some Gartner and Forrester numbers and talk about blockchain and, yeah. uh, and a few other things. <laughs> and so, like, and, and like it, yeah. and then I also asked it. There's two other things that are that are there's there's three other things that are that are instructive here. One, one of our colleagues asked it to write a conference abstract about secure software supply chains and Kubernetes. And I have to say, it was a pretty good start. And then I, and then having submitted to a lot of talks, what I suggested to him is he asked it to this part. See, might be really useful. Is like, I asked him to shorten it down to like three hundred uh, words because I think if you submit to like sessionize, you're restricted to three hundred words in your abstract, right? And so, like, it chopped it down to three hundred words, and it was still pretty effective, right? So next time I have like an eight hundred word session abstract. And the things like you only get, you know, three, 150 words. I'll, maybe I'll go over here and just be like, can you shorten this to 150 words? And, and oh, we'll damn, see what, yeah, it, what that, it says. That and, is good. You get that. I get that all the time because every time I submit a piece of content, you know, internally, you got to fill in forms and stuff. And they all have exactly. different size boxes for the all yeah. the and, size and, oh. And now Why you're making me think. Then set uh, Grammarly on it. Does it fight with itself? You know, one artificial intelligence. <laughs> that would be other. awesome. <laughs> the sentence structure is incorrect, and it automatically rejigs it or something. That'd be great. AI battle. Into a face off. AI. Yeah. Battle. And and so so there's that. And then two other things I tried. One. So if you remember in the the DevOps platform engineering thing last month, there was a big a big uh, a big stink up about like uh, some some headlines about DevOps is dead and it's going to be replaced. So. I gave it a little bit of coaching and, you know, I, I posted these on my blog, but I asked it to write a piece, uh, a thought piece that about DevOps is dead, right? And I kind of gave it some ideas and it wrote a, a pretty good thought piece. Again, it, it, well, not again, but, you know, it gets, it's like a 40 to 70% start. Like you would have to take it. And as you were kind of indicating earlier, Ben, you'd have to go in and like make it accurate. Well, I saw, <laughs> right? I, saw, I saw that, and your your prompts were very good already. You yeah, know, yeah, all, right. There was already enough in the prompts for you to kind of go totally, oh, yeah, and I and see where Michael's going with this. It's but it's it it's fill them in really well. Totally, and and it's kind of like chopping down. It's the the opposite of chopping down an abstract to three hundred words. Is what you can tell it is like. Here's like some ideas. Can you write twelve hundred words on that? And it'll just go through and like. You know, you'd have to polish it a little bit because you can start to detect that this is basically like, uh, you know, a middle school person writing uh, an article. It doesn't quite. What's the thing in the symptoms, the Simpsons that where it's like, in short, Libya is a land of contrast. Like, you know, it almost gets to the land of contrast uh, problem there. But so but then what you did, what I did is you can ask it to write the opposite of that. So basically, like, well, let's say if if uh, I thought the DevOps is not dead, and again, I, I fed it a few ideas and it and writes that, and then uh, also along those lines, uh, I ask it to write uh, a piece that was basically like, you should uh, not build your own Kubernetes versus you should, uh, you know, you should not build your own Kubernetes and you should buy it versus you should totally build your own Kubernetes install, and so like, you know. The I, I to this is the first time I think maybe this phrase has been used literally. These things just write themselves, like, <laughs> and so like I I feel like like you know if if there's a lot of thought pieces out there 
across and I, I know especially you probably see these ed when you're scanning the headlines just across all sorts of random tech news websites out there and man this is like perfect for those like if 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 you were like there's a certain scenario that i'm sure none of us have done where someone comes to you and had like wants to write on some topic and they might even have some ideas and they might even have like ghost written something for you and then, you know, you could go in there and just you got to go in there and kind of like fix it up. But like that whole step of someone having a topic and like getting the starter for you, you could totally do it in like 30 seconds, which with just a little bit of ideas of what you want to say, it's uh, it's pretty bonkers. So to your point, Ben, uh, it's good that you're getting back into programming because I don't know if marketing is going to exist anymore. It just we're, well, we're going to. What I'm curious with is this seems to do some coding, doesn't it? I saw which I haven't yes. tried, but I saw people talking about it yep. saying I've given it a code sample and it fixed it. And I was like, now how does that work? Because I understand like the AI and the pattern matching and just giving it a big database for conversational stuff. Where does it get coding knowledge from? How much other yeah. stuff is in there? You know, can you give it maths equations, chemical formulas? How much sort of knowledge does it have in that respect? Um, Probably. Yeah, yeah, there's no safety in coding, Kote. <laughs> well, I, I think I think there. You know, I I am no I am no AI ML whatever person, right? But it does seem like the limitations, unless you applied some sort of like William Burroughs like cut up technique, the limitation is like you won't be able to come up with something new, like because the problem is like like I was saying, you need the the corpus, the body of stuff that it does its predictive writing on, and in, and so like. If you were to, for example, if we were to make up a new word, well, this would be a fun experience. Like, uh, let's call it like Boudernetes, which is, is, is just like a new technology you should be looking into. And we ask it to write that essay. It probably wouldn't be that useful, right? Like it might have all the shape of someone promoting a Boudernetes, but like it wouldn't actually say anything, right? Like yes. there wouldn't be anything useful. Whereas like, if for some reason the Spring community and the Kubernetes community decide to merge and become one thing and name the output Boudernetes, right? Like they would, yeah, and they wrote for four years about it, it could probably generate some overview of it and talk about it. Like this reminds me of another thing. For example, uh, I was thinking, like, you know, Ben and I make these little videos and long videos, and I thought, like, what if I have it generate the script for these little videos? So I asked, I did two of them. I asked one of them, how does a product manager for software manage a backlog? And I think it did a pretty good job. Like it, it was kind of like a, uh, a, how long did it last? Maybe like 30, 60 seconds. And then I asked another one, which it, 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 it didn't do good at the prompt. I asked it to define, to talk about what a Spotify golden path is. And it got a little tripped up and said it, it talked about what continuous integration and continuous deployment is but it did it pretty well. So like you could just go in and remove the Spotify stuff. But then I took those and I wasn't pretending like I wasn't doing this. I was very upfront about it so I could be ethical. But then I just went and made two of those little YouTube shorts and there you go. So you could imagine, again, this is why our marketing jobs, we got to start worrying, Ben. Like, I don't know, or, or maybe this is, I'll, maybe I'll get to the last point, the Jevons paradox thing. But like, you know, if, if you could pump out like 50 of these videos a month, you could probably start to tune and like think about the right kind of content. And the reason you could do it is like, it only took me, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes to do that video, like the one about each of those videos, which as you know, Ben, is very quick. 
for for a video like it's you know of course you've got to do like the one the one take thing and then use like descript or something to chop it up or whatever oh, but you, you a... even have to put your pants on and everything don't you you even have to <laughs> Well, not not with the current view that I have here. I could just I could just have. <laughs> yeah, but you do yours outside. I'm pretty sure you're not going out. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so so like so that that's all as you can tell. I think it's all pretty thrilling. But it was also making me think, and this was like what I wrote up in the newsletter is like, you know, you know, the idea in site reliability engineering of developer of toil, right? Like it's repetitive manual tasks that don't add any value. And an SRE person should spend, I, I think it's like 50% of their time. I, I would imagine if you're doing your platform stuff initially, it's probably like 80% of your time. But you should always spend a lot of time automating toil. And as you go through like what a lot of these things, what this thing is good at, it was making me realize it's really good at just like office worker toil and even marketing toil, right? Like it's kind of a toil thing to come up with like your first pass at some copy. And it's a little bit of toil if you want to make a video defining a backlog to like think about how you would phrase it. And then it's even more toil to like ask, you know, to do budget justification for a hot dog party, right? Like, and, and like all of, and I was thinking like back when I was in corporate strategy, like I would have these drive-by strategy assignments where like someone would come by and be like, oh, one of the, uh, one of the board members thinks that it would be a good idea for us to get into uh, the, the software development tools business. So I'm going to need, can you write me a memo to send them totally with my name on it instead of me, the person writing it, uh, like a memo talking about what we should do here. And it's pretty good at doing that too. You can just like, I mean, it just to, to, I, I won't use the word since this is family friendly, but the, um, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the cow excrement word, like if it's that kind of, that kind of work, like you could totally eliminate a ton of that work. Which then, to use a James Water notion, you can uh, go up the value line. You don't really have to worry about like all that lower level uh, cow waste stuff. So I think that's a good way for us, us uh, knowledge workers to start experimenting with it. To, to focus on how can we eliminate knowledge worker toil uh, that, that we need to do. Kind of like your Grammarly thing. Maybe what we should do is the next time we have to file expenses, we could just say we can get the concur AI to talk with this AI and just kind of like tell us the result instead of yeah. having to do anything. You, you owe 15,000 pounds. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Maybe we wouldn't like that result. <laughs> oh, that that's well, because what you would have to say is, and don't take no for an answer. And then, and then maybe it would just burn out. <laughs> That's when you ask it to argue the other way. <laughs> now come up with counterfeit. Yep, <laughs> Maybe yep. you could get it to onboard suppliers. Maybe though. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. That I th I think that's you know and and I was trying to think of the commercialization things right and that's the part that like would be valuable is you can't really like you couldn't for example like let's say you had to do GDPR verification right? Like for a, I, I don't know, theoretically at some company, you might have to do uh, GDPR verification for a new third party vendor. And so you could kind of like feed it your company's policy and then feed it a bunch of stuff from the third party vendor and basically just be like, can you fill this out for me and do a good job in the style of me? And then like, <laughs> like that would be amazing. And then, but see, like you could think that's terrible, but then the whole point of the, the adopting the mentality of the toil thing is like, well, instead of me even doing it, the person who's doing this audit should just do that on their own. 
Like, why am I even involved in this? Right? Like just, you know, get that person doing it can do it. No need for like a help desk. And so anyhow, maybe there's hope for a lot of that stuff. We'll see. Next time I have to argue something in a bureaucracy, I, I might, I might try to use it. There's not much hope if you work on the help desk. <laughs> well, but that, that, but see, this is, this gets to the Jevons paradox thing is like what you see when you automate things is that like, it's not yeah. that people, and, and this is, this is the, there's two, there's a, there's a uh, capitalist friendly and then a worker not friendly aspect to this is like, uh, and I think Jevons paradox, it comes, comes from one of your, uh, one of your countrymen way back in the industrial revolution is, is they realized that the more efficient you make a factory, uh, it causes more energy use. So, which is because like you free up time. So it means like you create more waistcoats or whatever, right? Like you don't, there's a reason we have the phrase do more with less. We don't have the phrase do less with less, right? Like you always want, you want to do more. So like, that means that like, if you automate this stuff, then again, maybe we can focus on things that are more interesting. But then the downside of that is Jevons paradox doesn't say that when we automate things, now we get to have like a 20 hour work week. That's really what we would want that maybe that's Cote's rejoinder to Jevons paradox is like, I, I, I would like this to mean we ha we get to work less as, as we're more efficient. I, I love how excited by this you are. I really do. <laughs> I, find, I find that really, uh, really good. But to me, it feels like a Jurassic Park moment. Like, oh uh, yes. Well, look, we can make real dinosaurs. <laughs> That's going to uh -huh. end well. Let's do that. I, I I can't help but think about the other uses. And if you follow podcasts like I don't know Darknet Diaries or something like that, you know where where technology has been subverted in so many ways, so many times, you can't help but be concerned about that. There are, there are yeah. new laws coming into the UK around the use of tools like um, deepfake, for example. You know, there's talk about new new laws around that because they are mm. being abused for things that they shouldn't be used for or, or that we wouldn't consider them a valid use for. So, um, yeah, I, I can't help but also have a slight... Maybe it's because I'm British. No. Okay. Maybe that's what it is. I, I think. I think. I think. I mean, it's it's like any other like big technology. This isn't a dismissive thing, but yeah, I agree. There's all sorts of like crazy bad stuff you could do. But maybe we should finish out. Yeah. The, unless, what are your what are your last thoughts, Ed? Are you going to uh, are you going to start using this for uh, for something? Chat GPT, what it thinks I should say. I don't know. I'll I'll give I'll give you one. One more example in favor of this, right? An example of toil is, I posted this as well over on my 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 web blog at Cote.io, but we, we asked recently to get our kids out of school over here in the Netherlands for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, because we're Americans. And, and I, th this was in the past, but I thought like, what if we need to do this again? So I asked it to write a letter asking the school. And it was like, uh, it was pretty perfect. Like it, it had it had the right tone that you would be asking an authority figure and it like kind of asked in the right way. And it even had the thing of like, I understand this will take some consideration like that, that kind of stuff in there. And it was just like, wow, I would have never thought to write it like that. Like and this is like pretty good. And then I bet also if they replied to your email, you could put it back into the chat and be like, can you reply to this email? Right. Like, unfortunately, yeah. like the, the tier that it has isn't persistent enough that it would it lasts that long anyways. But the last thing that I did, you know, you can also do funny stuff like the ranch dressing is, is I asked it to come up with 12 ideas for blog posts on monster truck models. 
and 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 it's it's a blog it's a blog that that covers monster truck models, but occasionally writes about Microsoft Clippy. And I'll just get I won't read all of them, but it, it got it got pretty good. It was it was building the perfect monster truck model diorama. That's that's a good idea. And then you got uh, the top monster truck models competition to check out. Also good. I, I like that one. And then finally, Microsoft Clippy meets the world of monster truck models. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, I'm going to go ask, uh, maybe go ask this thing to write some show notes for us, uh, probably about 10,000 words worth. We'll see how many words it can go up to. I'm going to go and start uh, a text blog. It may or may not be me. <laughs> and uh, I, with that... I can't, I can't wait until they add voice onto this. If you added voice recognition and then speech, you know, it'd be like a really useful Google voice thingy right you know alexa write my reinvent keynote Thank yeah you. it's like alexa's useless right but if it could do this this would be amazing i mean once once you can feed your own stuff into it i mean i mean that's how that's got to be one of the ways they would commercialize it right it also it also like just to trail off it makes you wonder like wow maybe all that watson stuff was just before it's time like this mm. this could actually uh I don't know. We'll see next week if uh, if we're still here or not, or if uh, if if uh, Microsoft Clippy has taken over. Oh, Max uh, Headroom, yeah, be Max Headroom. Yeah, I was going to say we'd all become Max Headroom, wouldn't we? Yeah. Oh, I love that TV show. I found I found where you can. Uh, they have all those on YouTube. You can uh, go peruse them if you want. Yeah. It's kind of it's you, impossible you to buy them. GPT Max Headroom will live again. Oh yeah, we gotta get. I need to try doing everything in the style of Max Headroom. Damn, yeah, and great. folks, if you uh, watch us on YouTube next week, it may be three Max Headrooms. All right. Well, if you if you want to see the show notes to to all of this, I'll try to put in some links to to uh, well, obviously the the AWS stuff and maybe some of those examples of uh, output that I talked about. You can go to tanzutalk.com and uh, just find this episode. Uh, and and as always, we. Uh, we're not here every week, but we usually also, if you're listening to the podcast, we stream it live. There was some fun commentary uh, in, in the the, uh, the chat there. And uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. All right. Well, I haven't ended the broadcast yet, but that, that was good. And uh, just in time. Yep. Like I was saying, in the style of Max Headroom. We'll see what, we'll see what it's like. I think I think oh you know another thing I tried that was fun is I I asked it you were kind of not alluding but you're getting close to this Ben I asked it to uh, write a favorable review of the columns I wrote at the Register between 2012 and 2018, and it was pretty good although it ex it also exposed it also exposed one of the things you know you you were talking about is I then asked it to specific I mean to reference specific columns. And so it used it used two column you know titles for column names, and I was like, "Is that a column name that I used?" And so I went and searched, and it just had totally made up names for columns, like not not a title I used at all. So you gotta you gotta check into that. Still, if it's believable, <laughs> believable. I, I think I think Ben is still speechless. He's like, "This uh, you're you're unleashing a torrent of problems." That's yeah. that's what's going on here. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go uh, thanks to everyone who uh, who was on the chat as well. There's a few. Tyndall's <laughs> on the chat today. Uh, yeah. Tyndall uh, is. Uh, everyone's talking about Chat GPT, and I'm here <laughs> building crud. I'm being totally out of the loop. 
Absolutely. You haven't got up to CQRS yet. Uh, maybe maybe have a look at that. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> One for the devs. And uh, Ed, someone also said, are you yeah. also uh, house sharing with all those other people who, who also live I in do. the same I do. I have house? a very generous house sharing policy. <laughs> <laughs> I will find I will. So that's what I need next week is I need to get a Dali background, obviously. Something that is genuinely <gasps> unique. Yes, that would yeah. be awesome. Oh, yeah. Maybe you ask could ask unique podcast background and see. You you could you could ask the chat thing to give yeah. you a prompt to give Dali that would come oh, up with a unique so. Zoom background. Yeah. And then and then see if you can chain that prompt together and, and visualize and it. And, and it should be it should include the dark corners of your mind as well, I think. You know, not just yeah. the light ones, but the dark ones as well. It should be a little yes. bit of I don't know, Freddy Krueger in there, you know, some sort of yeah. nightmarish. There you go. Like, like, to it. Well. Something, something like, and and make subtle allusions to the dark corners of my mind palace. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, background. Let's put it that way. I'm going to wrap up the broadcast here. We'll see the streamers next time. Bye bye. Bye again.